Briggs. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> this is Joe Bob Briggs. This is Jeffrey Combs. Hey, this is Scotty from Anthrax. Hi, you're listening to Adrienne Barbeau. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. You're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Broadcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. I'm saying this under duress. You better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. version of left behind and then they made a teen version you know to scare your teen into believing they were going to leave this surf at any moment or bigger fear that they weren't good enough and they would be left behind so yeah i had a great childhood and it in no way made me a mentally ill unstable person fuck yeah well I, ever since then i've always been a fans of the um uh, of the pornos where the left woman's behind is always <laughs> behind Oh my god, Jeremy, that's a great idea. We need to start making Democrat porn left behind. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, you had it. Well, speaking ah. of speaking of so, left behind, so, you, cocaine and get some underage girls. So speaking speaking of left behind, uh, welcome to Quality Time, the most qualitative of times you'll have all week. Coming off uh, uh, our, uh, what is it, our single white female episode, we're back once again. I'm your host, Eric Woodworth. Uh, I'm also joined by my blood, my brother, Jeremy P. Woodworth. Jeremy, how are you, sir? Who are you talking about? Oh, my God, is it Bill Paxton back from the grave again? Texas All-Star. Turn up the reverb so it sounds like I'm more ethereal. <laughs> God damn. Hell yeah. Good to see you, Bill Paxton. It's great you, you you finally reviewing my movie that I directed with somebody who's never even tried weed before, Matt McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's, uh, I think half of his blood is weed. Uh, and speaking <laughs> you know who, of... You know who also has never tried weed before? <laughs> Carrot Top. <laughs> I don't know why Carrot Top is in the discussion now, but we're here and we can't uncork that fucking uh, bug, screw, whatever. Anyway, uh, the other coast with the most, the very lovely, talented, slightly inebriated, Miss Ashley Pontius. How are you? I'm alive, Daddy. Making it through another day, and that's, you know, that's all we can ask sometimes. I feel like Sundays is, like, your most beat-down day of the week. Yes or no? You know what? It really depends. But when, like, every day is a waking nightmare, it's all the same. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, that's good. That's good. Uh when I was when I was almost fired from my Latin, this temp job, that why'd I'm you still... get all quiet all of a sudden, Jeremy? You were like off the charts before. Now you're like soft again. I don't understand. I don't know. I haven't changed a darn thing. Here, I'm right up in the mic. Okay, we'll continue um, on. 
I was really contemplating doing that dog walking service app if I was going to get fired. So, oh. Rover walking dogs, and I'd say something like, "Okay, I look like a monster, but I'm really friendly, like a teddy bear, and I love dogs." Also, look, I make I make dog treats right off of my skin, and you just start feeding the dog some of your psoriasis <laughs> like this. Like they love me. <laughs> It's like a giant, giant potato chip for dogs. Yeah, you're just one giant mini chew toy to them. Like, oh, look, it helps me and I help them. My nickname is Milk Boner. By the way, since we're getting since we're getting all biblical today again, you know, I'd like to mention my my favorite favorite Bible person, which would be Lazarus, who sat in the gate of the city and the dogs licked his sores. <laughs> yes. That is a good one, Jeremy. I like that. My favorite Bible character is the Whore of Babylon. Oh, well, she likes drinking from a cup mixed with fornications and blood. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Big fan. Mm. Uh, I My favorite one is Bible Man. Uh, he's he's probably by far my favorite character. <laughs> I remember Bible Man. <laughs> Away, ye sinners. Mwah! Bible Man. I- you know what? That's funny you bring up Bible Man, Eric. You're dipping your toe in the nostalgia because I, because I'm nice, I used to be friends with the dis- mentally disabled kid in my grade because no one would be near him. And I'd spend time with him and he'd invite me over and we'd watch Bible Man for hours. And though even at age eight, I wanted to kill myself. I'm like, I'm doing a good deed. I'm going to heaven, right? I mean, listen, my biggest thing with Bible Man is like, Bible Man was even even as a child who watched Power Rangers. It was so badly produced, and Bible Man himself, for you know, for for something that just like is, you know, clearly like okay, you know, no no to the gays. You made the gayest superhero yeah. I've ever seen. Where actually Thanks. sucking another man's cock is less gay than watching Bible Man. Thank you, Eric, <laughs> because the whole time you were building up to this point, all I can think is Bible Man is so fucking gay. Yeah. And I just thank you. <laughs> thank you for telling the truth. Look I, out. The- Here's heterosexuality coming into play. <laughs> it's, it's somehow they were like, you know what? These gays out here, they got all the flair. We'll show them how straight flair can be. <laughs> My favorite episode. It's oh, just so funny to bring this up. My favorite episode was Bible Man versus Project Runway. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, I'm so- here to fight homosexuality right before I get back to the gym. Shower with other men. So uh, I got a couple. I got a couple quick stories to run down, and of course, we'll hear hear what happened in the the lives of of everyone on the uh, on the show as we normally do. Uh, last night, I had a show at a fucking dispensary uh, in uh, in Elkton, place. Maryland. First time there. Can I just tell you, holy? fucking hell it was it was a treat to see this many stoned old ladies and children and just of all ages the most stoned group you ever see during the uh final act of the show where we're all up on stage i go ahead and i make a little tap to uh the sweet justin schlegel and i'm like please look at this lady dead in front of you she's like two tables back and the best way to describe her face was just she looked like if you know how like some when some people wake up maybe they have a cup of coffee okay 
Now, if it was like a commercial, I was like, hey, we switched Karen's regular coffee with a fentanyl-based heroin mix. And I looked out <laughs> at this lady's face, and there was just, her eyes were open, her mouth was dropped to the floor, and it looked like you could stab her with a needle, and she might just go, eh. <laughs> and I couldn't. I couldn't stop laughing at it when I was looking at her, but it was it was a great show. I love it. I think Tommy Simbazo is headlining it like next month. So I'm, uh, it's yes, a, it's a good. I'm hosting. Fuck yeah! You know what? I might I might if I can figure it out. I might try to make my way up to that show just to say hello. Is it is it hard to not have a good stoned crowd that they won't laugh at things? Is it, is it even possible? Yes, because I hosted. No, no, no. No, because I hosted there before, and I killed, and no offense to a lot of the other comedians, they were like, I don't know, just something about some of their bits. These people were too stoned to think super hard. Like, I'm talking about being hairy. I'm talking about pussy. Fucking, you know me. But these people are, like, trying to do these deep jokes, and I'm just watching Rob Mayer doggy paddle, and I'm like, it's going to be fine. You got it. <laughs> I know that I know that your joke where you talk about using your dad's... Uh razor on your pussy always goes over well so. yeah always okay so uh I'm, at- I'm so glad you know my material <laughs> so uh I, I go from this show of uh, of great success last night with Die Laughing Productions to Wednesday where I was at the dregs because boy, oh boy, I don't know what it is. My hometown of Columbia where I was born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. I ever, If I had a record of shows, I've probably done maybe a dozen, maybe 15. I am like three and 15 uh, record of doing well to fucking bombing in my hometown. I don't know why the people of Columbia, Maryland are not a laughing bunch. And boy, did I continue that trend on Wednesday night with uh, Brian Preston and uh, and Matt Brown. We just, uh, first of all, I need to say nobody did phenomenal except for the great Bill Monahan. I will say crushed it. But yeah. I definitely did the worst. I started off with crowd work. I'm like, yo, what's up with Oakland Mills? Woo, high school over here. Woo, get the crowd all into it. We're like, so what's up with the, you know, and then I did the Notorious B.I.G. bit, which is normally really good. And it's, uh, they fucking hated every word of it. They couldn't, they could not be done with it anymore. And I kept looking over and I don't know, there's something about me too. If I'm bombing, I'm like, all right, full send. Let's just go as hard. I'm not, I'm not going to abandon it. After I've made the decision, it's already done in my head. You have to, we're going to unpeel this goddamn onion. And I think that's a bit of Jeremy Woodworth that shows through me that he's just like, yep, we came out with a plan and we're going to succeed in it. And uh, if you don't like it, well, I'll just cry and question all of my life's decisions up until now. Um, so he, that was not fun, but I was glad that I got to wash that finally off of me, the sweet bomb. Well, Eric, I'm sorry that happened to you. I guess you could say that you're periodically funny. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it was that time of the month for me. (laughs) Eric, can can you give a simple beat beatbox real quick? Um, yeah, you know what? I really can. Do you want a simple beat with your with your mouth with your with your human beatbox? Do you want a real? Do you want a real beat? I can give you a real beat. 
it's just give me whatever you can the quickest humanly possible. Well, yeah, I think I can really do it quite fast if you can be just patient and fill time while that happens. Oh, you have to show off your freaking Alesis. Yeah, I do. Okay, hold on. Huh? It does sound good. Here you go. Because you're too white to do a human beatbox. There <laughs> you go. How's that work for you? That was really that was so not worth everything I did for that. Um, Eric, Eric was an element. The audience thought he was Borium. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh that was me uh bombing. So how did uh how does everybody else pan out this week? Big big win for Jeremy. How's the job going so far, pal? Thursday I finally threw in the towel. Because oh. my uh, supervisor is one of the biggest assholes I've ever known in my entire life, and I'm sorry, uh, he's he's way too used to dealing with people that he's lived with in prison. I don't know how many <laughs> years, and doesn't know how to treat a person that is an idiot like me. And anytime I ask a question or he tells me to do something, I usually get received with, "Haven't you figured this out yet? How come you're so dumb?" And then it's the mocking of like either how I look or how I I am fat or how I move, oh. how old I am. And I'm like, I see you have the maturity level of like a ten, of five-year-old and I can deal with that, but I really hate you. I truly- <laughs> Jeremy, I'm so sorry. Do you want me to kill him? Is- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But murder is so easy for me. It, it's second nature. But at the same time, this is one of the easiest jobs I could ever do. And the only thing that's hard for this job is my supervisor. It's yeah. the only thing. Well, and of course, he thinks he's smarter than me because he does know his job very well. But just treat me like a piece of shit. and makes me feel like a piece of shit. Like, I remember like the first week when... I'm the kind of person who tries to make things fun to work, try to make a few j- jokes. And I made a couple of jokes and finally he's like, oh, that's so fucking funny. Oh, you're dumb. And finally I just stopped talking and yeah. he can tell that I just shut up. And I'm like, he tries to like lighten the air so he can be Mr. Funny. I'm like, I'm not going to laugh at you. I'm just doing my job. I hate you. You're yeah. you're an unhappy person, obviously. You you hate me because I'm not. I I haven't learned it all in three days yet. I haven't learned it all. I'm trying, but this man is he's he's a ho- horrible person. So, uh, Ash, you've had a full uh, scale week of shows. How have that? How have those been going? Yeah, Friday night was great. I had a good time. It was a double header. Um, I feel bad because I didn't have to deal with a heckler, but the people before me did. We had this girl that I guess you call it almost like positive heckling because like she's not necessarily trying to be mean, but instead of laughing, she just loudly keeps going, oh my God, stop. (laughs) 
every few like jokes it's it was really unsettling until someone lost their shit on stage and they were like no you stop shut the fuck up (laughs) and it was the funniest thing Oh my god, I've ever seen it. And then she kept going to the bathroom. We're pretty sure she was doing coke, which just made it funnier. Cause you just keep hearing porcelain slamming. But um it sounds like the worst porno. Oh, just stop. Stop. That is a girl that like you don't want to go on a date with. Just every few minutes she's grabbing your arm and shaking you, and she's like, stop. Yeah, like that's a girl you don't go on a date with. She sounds like a cunt. So I had a I had a great I a great show though i had a good time the gays loved me the gays and the theys were like ashley you're unstoppable and i was like thank you um, um eric i do have an honest dash whenever, whenever oh, you we're ready oh and it's about that time again for another segment of honest ash and here's ashley pontius oh hello listener So recently, I found it particularly funny that I've been getting acrylic nails done. And I've been sticking those fingers in different orifices and then walking up to men at my show with beards and using their beards like a Brillo pad and just rubbing my excrement into their beards and then leaving. This has been Honest Ash. Check in again next week for more of Ashley's Beard Care tips on the next exciting episode of Honest Ash. You know I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Yeah, I got shit in my beard. Um, great Honest Ash and all, and shout out to all the guys in Carlisle, PA that's, whose beards are covered in shit right now. So, shout outs to that. <laughs> So this week's movie I'm excited to bring to you uh, is 2001's Frailty, uh, starring and directed by the great Bill Paxton, and uh, quite the all-star cast, I must say, for a low-budget movie movie by Lionsgate. Um, you get, uh, uh, of course, the great Bill Paxton, who's going to play Dad Meeks. You get Matthew McConaughey, who's playing uh, Fenton Meeks, or later you might find out the twist to that, as well as... Uh, uh, Powers Booth, uh, all three members of a, st- uh, all three actors who are famous Texans, as well as a story that takes place in Texas. So, um, I have a piece of trivia that not a lot of people know. So, Powers Booth is actually the son of Austin Powers and John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to assassinate this president, baby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's fun. Um, but also, Matthew O'Leary, who plays Bill Paxton's son, would later, a year later, team up with Bill Paxton again in Spy Kids 2, which is stupid oh. trivia. But that was how old I was at the time. Well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of other ties to these actors working uh, multiple times. Powers Booth and Bill Paxton are also in the movie Tombstone from 1993, as well as Agents of Shield in 2013. Um, and oddly enough, both actors died in the year 2017. So that's also fascinating because Matt O'Leary was also in Agents of Shield. My God! Boom! Look at all that. <laughs> Now, of course, uh, Powers Booth, probably his last uh, film was that uh, Avengers 
where he's the secret uh, uh, powers that be that that runs things with Nick Fury. But of course, his favorite for me has to be uh, the shot down uh, <clears throat> fighter pilot in Red Dawn that uh, yes. Jennifer Grey, of course, loves. So, mm. so uh, Red Dawn is what I call. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Red Dawn is what I call it when I'm not expecting my period and I wake up and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> Hell yeah! Is that? I think that was the working title for Carrie originally. So uh, <laughs> this uh, this story uh, is loosely based on the American serial killer Joseph Callinger, oddly enough, uh, who murdered three people and tortured four families. Uh, he committed these crimes with his 13 year old son Michael between 1974 and 1975 in New Jersey. Callinger pleaded insanity claiming God had told him to kill. And if you want to learn more about Joseph Callinger, I might, I highly suggest you check out the last podcast on the left episode about Joseph Callinger. It's a 10 out of 10 episode if you're into the true crime. And also the great Henry Zabrowski's uh, impersonation or voice that he comes up with for this schizophrenic man who thinks he's hearing voices from God is a 10 out of 10. He's like, also, can I make a sandwich out of salami like that? And he's just murdering people and hearing God. It's a great series, so I highly recommend. Um, since we're talking about um, the voice of God, and um, <laughs> uh, hate to call out our, our our beloved Uncle Jeff, who who part of his his schizophrenia is saying that he did hear the voice of God, and he says. It sounded like like the way he sounded in the uh, the Ten Commandments movie, and uh, and he, he said that uh, that I'm going to hell. And <laughs> hey, hey, I don't know how to answer a question like this, other than like maybe maybe it was. <laughs> it's super funny you're bringing that up, and that's a good point because of this movie. Because last night at my show. I had a guy, I forget why it came up, but it was something about God. And I was like, well, I don't believe in God. And he goes, how do you not believe in God? And I was like, sir, you have not seen my life. And he's like, well, he believes in you. And I'm like, ugh, that's, mm, someone should give him some pointers. He's not a good investor. Hey, hey, hey Jer, this is uh, Uncle Jeff. I'm calling in the show real quick. He, so, hey, do you remember 1987 when uh, uh, Jackson Brown came out with Fishing in the Dark? Well, I really thought that was more like when Jesus said he was a fisher of men, and also that the black people in uh, McDonald's would know that our grandfather was in the KKK, and we couldn't eat there. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh the i think this was uh bill paxton's debut as a director which uh unfortunately i don't know how many other movies he directed after this but if you listen to the commentary he did it like right after they finished like the last edit of it he was like well i'm uh not really sure if uh, they'll let me make another movie after this uh but I i hope they do and i hope you guys like it and uh here we go and uh uh, apparently he said this like right after they screened it for like a small theater of people and uh, during one scene of the movie particularly when the first kill happens uh, 25 people walked out of the movie uh- <laughs> yeah. that's so weird though how do you not that's always weird to me whether it's comedy or horror right because I'm like how do you not know at least in some context what you're in for that know. makes no sense 
Fuck those people. I agree, because this one is a great one. Uh, and it starts off, I love how it just kicks off. It starts off with Matthew McConaughey walking into an FBI office to deliver a little bit of information about the God's Hand killer. You the agent in charge of the God's Hand case? That's right. Where's the door? It's a picture of you and your mother, huh? I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't take things off of my desk. Sorry about that. Guess I've been in here a while. Already had a look at all your plaques and your citations. Didn't really care to have a look at those. You know, for a Christian guy, he's pulling a real single white female kind of situation right here. Uh, <laughs> just, I've just been in your office for a couple minutes. Also, you're out of Sour Patch Kids. Sorry about that. Well, two things. Well, no, no, three. One, Eric, what are you talking about? I do that shit in your house all the time. <laughs> two, um, that is one super fugly looking mom. His mom's yeah, ugly. Like, I don't like just. She looks like the grandma from um, Napoleon Dynamite, like she, that real, real bad haircut. And I'm like, that woman has not seen a dick in 25 years. Um, she looks then, like she could prime bullets with her mouth, like reload uh, them, just like, and like crimps it with her teeth and everything. Ugh. Yes. She looks like she works at your local dive bar and hooks up with every guy under 30. It's so gross. Um, number three god's hand killer sounds more like god's hand sounds more like a molestation case we're like hey look the local priests have been fingering kids again we're calling it the god's hand case <laughs> i put harvey Keitel on it so, <laughs> so he explains that his uh his brother adam is the god's hand killer uh but not to worry because he just uh he went ahead and blew his head off last night because he got a call from him and uh had to go bury him in the uh, in the uh, in the rose garden, meet. That's where all this took place. It's about two hundred miles west of here, just north of Abilene. And why'd you go to Thurman? To bury Adam in the rose garden. Why would you do that? I promised him I would a long time ago. <laughs> now, that's a pretty wild story, Mister Mix. I don't see what, if anything, this has got to do with my case. Adam is the God's hand killer, Agent Dahl. He's the one you're looking for. He tell you that before he asked you to take him to Thurman? If that's the case, you left that part out. I haven't finished yet. Oh, there's more? A lot more. Excuse me a minute. The funniest part is that he says nobody comes in and just breaks a case wide open like this. Literally, multiple cases get exactly solved this way because the police have given up. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, literally, the Unabomber, lots of FBI cases have happened. Or, like, family member comes in, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, my brother Jeremy actually has people chained up in his basement currently, and they're slowly feeding the rats uh, in his home. Well, it's... Eric's right, because it's usually one of two things. At some point, they always say it's someone who either is bragging about it because they're drinking and they're like, you won't believe what I did, or they're confessing because their conscience has finally caught up to them. My question is, Eric... Would you ever rat out Jeremy and his murders? No, it's also part of the reason I don't take one of those 23andMe tests. That way they can't link me to him and uh, get us that way. Yeah. You know? Smart. That's a good idea. But also, you know, Jeremy doesn't kill people. He only kills demons and also former co-workers. 
You know he talked about murder all the time. It's hard to believe he was a murderer. <laughs> now, the, the sad thing about this this long monologue with uh, <clears throat> Matt McConaughey is that at one point he doesn't stop the monologue. You you mind if I you mind if I smoke? And he pulls out like this three foot bong. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, in his jacket, his short jacket. He pulls out like a full rig with a gas mask and bongos. He completely disrobes. It's yeah, it's weird that he. Oh, go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it is weird that he goes in there to rat on his brother, but what a fucking coward for not admitting to his statutory rape. Because you all remember. I get older, they stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> you either live long enough to kill the demons or live long enough to become one yourself. All right. <laughs> uh, so uh, he doesn't do his um his um what what do you call that the the signature like in every film like I know who the God's hand killer is. All right, all right, all right. That he is true. <laughs> I bet you that that like in the deleted scenes, there's an hour of him just like getting it out before every take. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, we're gonna need you. Hey, 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 uh, Matt, we're gonna need you to actually do some acting real quick here. All right, we're gonna. I'm in fucking charge. Okay, I need you to not say <laughs> all right after Dad swings the axe at a guy's head. I don't know why he didn't go on to do bigger movies after this. Like, come on, oh my God, Sahara. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, do you mind if I take my shirt off during this interview? <laughs> so, uh, also, uh, also, I also know who Leatherface is, and uh, I, I can tell you where Bridget Jones' diary is. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Fenton, uh, Fenton Meeks takes him back to 1979 to lay out the story of how we got here. Uh, we get to meet Fenton and young Fenton and young Adam. Uh, they're just two little Christian boys walking through the town of uh, this fictional town of Thurman. Uh, their blue collar dad uh, is is still uh, reeling by uh, Smashing Pumpkins, 1979. I'm not going to pull it up. Um, so their uh, their blue collar loving father father uh, is still reeling off the loss of their mother, who has uh, recently died. Uh, until one night, their father has a vision that he's been sent on this earth to kill demons and wakes his sons up in the dead of night. I need you both to listen to me very carefully. Something's happened. He said he'd had a vision that night. A vision from God. An angel came to him and told him the truth of this world and revealed God's special purpose for our family. The end of the world is coming. It's near. The angel showed me. There are demons among us. The devil has released them for the final battle. It's being fought right now. But nobody knows it except us and others like us. I'm scared, Dad. There's nothing to be afraid of, Tiger. We've been chosen by God. He will protect us. He's given us special jobs to do. We don't fear these demons. We destroy them. We, we pick them up one by one and we pitch them out of this world. That's God's purpose for us. The angel called us God's hands. So we're like superheroes? That's right. Or a family of superheroes are going to help save the world. We're just like, we're just like Bible Man. 
Uh-uh. <laughs> Dad, so, that doesn't make any sense. I know it sounds that way, son, but it's the truth. So, what are our superpowers? Well, we can see the demons while other people can't. And the angel told me that God would be sending us three weapons to destroy them with. Magical weapons? I imagine so. When do we get them? I don't know. The angel just said soon. That's all I was told, except that we're not supposed to tell anybody about any of this. Absolutely no one. If we do, we put them and ourselves in danger. Fenton, don't worry, it's okay. It's a lot to understand. I wanted to wait to tell you until once I had a chance to figure it out myself. But but the angel said I, I had to do it now. Fenton. I didn't know what to say or how to feel. Do you understand what I told you? The judgment day's here. I was too messed up to understand or even acknowledge. Soon we'll all be in heaven. You, me, Adam, with mommy. I didn't realize it at that moment, at least not consciously. She's waiting to see us in heaven. But my happy and mostly secure world had just been flipped over, and there were dark things under there. Judgment day is here. Very dark things. We've been chosen by God. And my little boy's mind just couldn't take it. It would be great, though, like right after this really dramatic scene, if they just cut in like the Back to the Future, like Huey Lewis, like. Gotta get back in time. Gonna see mom in heaven and she's real dead now. So can I point out a couple things? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. one thing, it's funny that you bring up the mom because we do learn in this movie that she died in childbirth with Adam. And can I just say like, ugh, ugh, typical woman dying to avoid responsibility. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also love that it's always poor white trash that God has a special purpose for. <laughs> that's, that's always my favorite. <laughs> It's like living in a shitty house with like a shitty job and like two stupid kids. And you're like, you know what? God thinks I'm special. I'm like, yeah, it's not the right night type of special, but okay. Last night, God came down to our double wide and he told me our purpose. (laughs) And it was to smoke natural born American spirit cigarettes only. Only $7.99 here at the 7-Eleven. God's purpose here in Arlene, Texas. (laughs) <laughs> also, from the look of that dwelling and those kids and those accents we're working with, Fenton, not a good name. Can I offer up a better suggestion? Please, yes. Fent- more like fentanyl. <laughs> um, this All this talk about a god and an angel uh, led me to my other favorite Bill Paxton um, role with angels and... Um, and the angel moron e in the, in the show big love and the angel told me to take on more wives son you're not gonna believe this but angels came down and they wrote on these gold tablets and they said that i gotta fuck as much pussy as possible for god you told me where i could find two magic rocks and put them in a hat, and I'll be able to tell you anything. I'll be able to transcribe the magic golden tablets. 
See, I couldn't get into that show because I thought it was about about big girls finding forever love, and it was not. Aww. Now you're thinking of big flood. Oh, we're over 200 pounds. <laughs> Cheated. So uh, I do love this scene, though. Right after this is like Fenton, Fenton wakes up the next morning like, huh, maybe that was all a dream. Dad seems to be acting really normal. And I just love this part where he drives him to school. And just as he lets him out, I'm like, huh, well, I guess it was just all a bad dream. Don't have to worry about that. And Bill Paxton says this as they're getting out. None of us mentioned it. It was only a dream, a nightmare. Nothing that crazy could be real. Everything was okay, just like before. Well, have a good day at school, boys. And remember not telling anyone what I told you last night. You won't, Dad, bye! <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like this is a conversation that happens in the Woodworth home pretty regularly? Like one of your kids is running after school and you're like, okay, kids, remember, no friends after school. Daddy's podcasting. And like, oh, yeah, that's okay. Remember, kids, don't tell don't tell your friends at school that the vaccine actually has a micro trip that tracks you. Okay, bye. <laughs> did, did, did we already skip over the fact that when the kids are going to bed at night, the one kid's like, I want to go see the Warriors. And the other kid's like, no, I want to see meatballs yeah. again. Yeah. Nobody's it, ever said they want to see meatballs again. <laughs> talking about it's one of Bill Murray's greatest. But no, apparently in the in the IMDb that says that the, the script originally said he wanted to go see the original Alien. And Bill Paxton oh. changed it because of the, the, the rep, his connection to Aliens. Yeah, and he didn't want to distract everybody like he was sucking his own dick in this movie. It makes sense. I like that. Suck that man's dick. And, uh, another, oh thing is, another thing is that um, all about the plot change uh, uh, about uh, the main plot is that he actually conferred with uh, James Cameron about what to not put in the film until the ending oh. as a big reveal. I didn't want to forget that until... Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, re- I was reading that too, man. That's really cool. So uh, uh, right after that, Dad uh, gets magical visions where he finds the tools of destruction that he'll use. He finds the uh, the axe that is uh, uh, his shining beam of light down on this farm. He finds this axe, and it says Otis. And uh, people talk about why the axe is named Otis. Now, Bill Paxton said that he wanted to give it a name so it would seem like it was its own character in the movie to a certain extent, this Otis, mm-hmm. uh, Otis tool. Uh, uh, which is also funny because Otis Tool is a, a horrible serial killer that worked with Henry Lee Lucas. Uh, but he, uh, the reason it's specifically named Otis is because when um, uh, Bill Paxton saw this one homeless guy who was like super proud, his name was Otis, and he would not take a handout from Bill Paxton. He was like, "No, what I want to do is actually so he could give him money." He basically said, "I want to buy the rights to your name so I can put it in my movie." So that's what he why he named it Otis because he gave a homeless guy money so that he could wow that's amazing so as if you needed more reason to love bill paxton uh and of course course, otis from uh the devil's rejects is actually named after otis o'toole from the movie of uh um henry portrait of serial killer who's played by the guy who is in who played the cop in devil's rejects 
That, so. Oh yeah, yeah. Also, he plays the in the reboot of uh, Night of the Living Dead. He plays Cooper, uh, the guy who calls people a bunch of yo-yos, and uh, well, he's, he's great. I'm just an uneducated horror female, but I just assumed he named it Otis after those brave truckers who are circling the Beltway. Finally, right now. yes, that is exactly why <laughs> that that convoy is made up of eighty percent Otis. Um, <laughs> what, was, what, was the, what was the possible euphemism for the name of Otis? Spelled out on the X O T I S. Oh, I don't. I didn't. I didn't get that down, buddy. Uh, I'll look it up. Well, thanks for this fact that you don't have anything for. So uh, there is a. Uh, he also has the. He gets to find the pipe and uh, the gloves that protect him from seeing the visions too quickly. And uh, he also has this really trippy vision while he's underneath the car and he's giving this fucking car a lube. And it's literally like a full acid trip where it's like, whoa. And a fucking angel <laughs> comes down with a burning sword like that. It looks strangely like a. Uh, like a. Like a sexy Charles Durning. I can't explain him any other better way. Um, What's so weird to me about that scene, Eric, is I love that the interpretation is that like St. Michael is coming to give him a message, though he does not speak. I I I just think he misinterpreted the message because he's got that flaming sword and I would have been like, bruh, your message is that you're a closeted homosexual. <laughs> but they definitely leave it up to you like as you're seeing it because like he's seeing this shit that's looking like he's tripping but then they also say like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of sparks that were flying over in the in the corner over here and that's maybe he's not really seeing a vision and he's just losing his fucking mind. And I, I like that they kind of leave that ambiguous. Is it real? Is it not? Who knows? We'll find out soon. Uh, but finally, Dad uh, brings home his first demon, and uh, I love the. Uh, well, before we get to that, there Fenton is trying to convince his dad that maybe this isn't the right way, and this is actually from the deleted scenes. This is I had to pull this off the DVD copy of this. Uh, I don't have a Blu-ray. Maybe I'll get it one day. But this is uh, th- again movies in the early two thousands are some of the best DVDs to own if you ever see them around because people actually cared and did extra stuff on him instead of now if you buy a blu-ray you're like here's high definition now get fucked and uh back in the day they just gave you extra stuff this this particular copy which i i have right here of frailty not only has a full commentary with bill paxton you can watch the movie with it also has a full commentary of um the uh the special effects guy as well as i think the writer so i've never even watched those ones uh on here so lots of good content and i'm sure you could find this at a local Goodwill for probably $3. And if you ever do, I highly suggest you pick it up because there is a lot of good stuff. In particular, this little ditty here that I ripped, which is a deleted scene, which Jeremy never... I, I here, Let me read you my text messages earlier today. Now, I know, Ashley, you've been on this show multiple times, okay? And, uh, it, oh, no. Have I? What? For, for, for over, to, what, two years now you've been on the show? You're okay? actually a regular on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a regular guest. I love it. Uh-huh. Yes, Aaron. Please don't make don't make this a thing. So look, look here. I want to just tell you what what Jeremy texted me earlier today. Okay, Jeremy has mentioned the scene from Frailty every time we bring up Bill Paxton. They're like the quintessential Bill Paxton line is this thing that we're about to play here. And I go, he he goes, I can't find it. And I was just like, I was just like, I have the DVD. I'll check and see if it's on there. I'm ninety percent sure it is. This uh, the the. It's there. And he goes, any chance of ripping the deleted scene? This is at 1230. I said, I'm working on it right now. And then he goes, it's the best part of the film. It's the quintessential Paxton moment. 
moment. And I replied back to him. I say, uh, what is the deleted scene from Frailty? And then I go, correct. I'll take things Jeremy has said 50 plus times to me for 500, Alex. And (laughs) And so I bring to you... The thing that Jeremy's been wetting his whistle for for a long time. This is, and then I also have it with commentary for you as well. Right after this, Jeremy is the deleted scene from this film. Uh, there's only eight minutes of deleted scenes. They're all actually pretty good, and I think are very telling. But uh, yeah, here, here's this one about uh, Fenton trying to find things in the Bible that say, uh, "No, Dad, maybe you're wrong." None of this mentioned. Dad. What would the Baptists say? We are still Baptists, aren't we? Well, to tell the truth, before the angel came, I wasn't sure I really believed in God. Your mama had the faith. I went to church more out of habit than for any spiritual reasons. But now I know God exists. He's, he's here with us right now. We're beyond religion. We got a direct line to God. Does that mean we don't have to go to church anymore? It sure does. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> so, that's, uh... that. Now, what you miss out of this scene is Bill Pack. Jeremy's uncontrollably laughing right now. Is Bill Paxton does make this like classic goofball face where he looks at his son. He's like, "That's right, we don't have to go to church," <laughs> and it is very, very hilarious. But it is you're missing. I told I was trying to tell Jeremy. I was like, "This is a ninety percent visual joke that you are trying to do on a, our podcast <laughs> medium." But I will rip it for you. And not only that, Jeremy, I'm gonna go above and beyond because maybe even Jeremy hasn't heard this. Here's the same scene with little highlights of director. And star actor Bill Paxton commenting on this very scene. I really like these scenes. Again, we're back in the house, and uh, I just love all my scenes with uh, Matt O'Leary and Jeremy Sumter. And we learn a little bit about Dad in this scene, too, in terms of uh, uh, the mother and and that she had the faith. uh, Can I see that? And uh, again, for time, I had to, you know, we had to kind of get the story moving. And as much as I liked these scenes, and personally, it's a good scene of mine, a good monologue. But I just realized I, I needed to get back to to moving the story along. Again, uh, Jeremy Sumter comes in with some comedy relief. Does that mean we don't have to go to Sunday school? It sure does. And again, uh, Matt O'Leary's just like, <laughs> you can't believe just how crazy this is all becoming there you go man jeremy was it everything that you thought it would be and more and what else do you have to say about this quintessential moment in bill paxton history it sure does (laughs) (laughs) oh 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 um so i'm at monster mania and of course (laughs) there's michael anthony hall getting a picture with a fan with uh wyatt otherwise the other guy from weird science Mm -hmm. and of course me dressed up as a clown and i'm waiting in line just to give him a free t-shirt and of course i have to do a pax and like next thing you both have a bunch of bras on your heads and of course michael anthony shoots me this glance a little annoyed he says uh john wayne gacy everybody john wayne gacy there you go (laughs) Stealing scenes wherever you go, big brother. 
I, I I love weird science, and no celebrity death upset me more than Mike uh, Bill Paxton. Even when I heard about Bill Paxton's death, and my wife made the rudest comment because she hated his character on Big Love, and I literally n- never hated my wife more at that moment. Like, <laughs> you fucking bitch! You're How talking, dare you? Talking about the death of fucking Bill Paxton. That's like that's like. Hey, hey, why don't I make fun of the death of uh, Patrick Swayze? <laughs> Oh, you fucking <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. So why don't, I, why don't I just go to John Wayne's grave and piss on it? Okay. Uh, does really? she love John Wayne? No, but Gacy? <laughs> because he was like a cowboy. And... All right. Yeah, I gotcha. So, really? uh, as we move the story along, Dad finally brings home his first demon, and uh, it is a bound woman who looks like a nurse and very inner- innocent. Uh, uh, he comes over and lays her down and calls the boys out. After work, he drove down to Jacksonville, about 45 minutes or so southwest of Thurman. He said he'd never been there before, but he had no problem finding it. God was leading him. He goes and touches her and can see everything. And then, uh. Dad, don't And there's nothing like murdering people right in front of your children that can really bring it together. You know, it really brings the family closer. I mean, I, Ash, you're up. No, sorry. Um, no, I was just gonna say that seems like kind of late in the game. Why murder with your children? Why don't you just <laughs> murder your children? <laughs> abortion. Hey, did you? If you haven't seen, uh, if you haven't seen Doug Stanhope's new uh, comedy special that came out this week, he opens with a dead kid bit, and I gotta be honest with you. Chef's kiss, good loses the crowd. Love it that he had released this as a special. Um, so, uh, uh, they go to go barrier in the rose garden, and we hear more about the specifics of how you have to do this just right. Uh, fast forward to uh, uh, they go to the next kill. Uh, obviously, there's tensions between Fenton and his dad. Fenton is still definitely not on board with the whole murder thing, though Adam's real excited about it. He's like, This is awesome, let's go do some murdering. And uh, see, uh, they go to go get the second guy that um eric i was just gonna say you know who you just made me realize his kids remind me of fenton and adam it's like flanders kids yeah, <laughs> the... yeah, yeah. We, we're here to erase all impurity from the world <laughs> <laughs> uh that which is funny because at the very beginning of the of the very first scene of this movie they're the two kids are walking around saying i got the joy 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 down in my heart where and then that is literally what the flanders kids do in one of the episodes when they try to be friends with bart and like where and bart wants to kill himself <laughs> hanging out with them while they're yeah. singing it uh it's good they're stuff giving me insufferable vibes <laughs> so, oh, oh, eric you might have been too young um, the neighbor behind our house, behind the stream, was mm-hmm. named Brent. Was very much like a Flanders kid, very <laughs> um, single, single only child. 
Oh, all right. Well, uh, for another episode, I w- I'd like to delve more deeply into the, the past oh. of Jeremy Woodworth and some Brent, neighbors Brent, that we don't know about. Brent Gibson, very rich kid. Had all the best toys that I've ever seen a kid own, including the best 2600 games <gasps> that I've ever seen. Oh, my um, God. And then he went rebel when he turned 13. And guess what he got into? What's that? Tom Petty. Oh, gosh! And the Heartbreakers? What is he? Might as well worship Satan. Uh- <laughs> So uh, they go to go pick up the second guy uh, and they pull the old uh, Silence of the Lambs trick where he's like, you hit my dog, lady, and then fucking whack this guy over the head. There is a really cool deleted scene where uh, Adam is taping up and it's a very comical thing like, Dad, I could barely tear this this tape to go cover his mouth. And uh, he like collapses on top of him like, I did a pretty good job here on helping this guy get murdered. And... uh, I forgot to mention the, the holy gloves and the holy lead pipe. Yes, the holy lead pipe. And I have mentioned the gloves, but uh, yeah, the pipe is for knocking out. The the axe is for killing, and the glove is just so you don't touch them and see the vision too early. Uh, That's so weird because, like, when I bought my Hitachi like wand, there was no blessing that came with that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I so I've heard. So I've heard. Um, so, uh, they, uh, they force him into the kill dungeon and, uh, he puts his hand on him. He's like, he's a killer of kids. Don't you see it? And Adam's like, I see it, dad. Kill him away. And then, uh, number two victim, uh, goes, goes down. Um, but by this time, uh, the tensions have risen between Fenton and his dad. Uh, he forces Fenton to go dig a giant hole, which will eventually become the kill dungeon. Uh, and, uh, Fenton in pure, just stubborn rage digs it with his fucking hands and no gloves and opens up blisters on it. And there's a certain part where his dad is just like, Hey son, you had enough. He's like, I haven't had enough yet. As a matter of fucking fact, I'm going to go dig the rest of this fucking hole because I'm going to do it like that. Uh, Bill Paxton does mention that we only dug the hole about really three foot deep because you have to use reinforcements to get more. So I tried to use a special camera angle to make it look like the hole was deeper and had him kneeling down, you know, movie magic. And I'm like, oh, wow, the mechanics of shooting a hole. Uh, He could be in pornography. <laughs> there you go. I got finally got Ash good on this episode. Damn it! I was literally just about. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, when 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 I see the low hanging fruit, I doth grab. Um... Oh, Eric! <laughs> I know you touch your balls a lot. We get it. it uh, they're tight. They're still tight. She so looked, she looked like she was eighteen, but she was still only fourteen. Oh no! <laughs> so they uh. By the time he digs the hole and they make the kill shelter, uh, Fenton is still ridiculously stubborn and rejecting everything his father says. He says, this is going to be, this one is going to be the big one. Uh, But Fenton runs off and he goes to tell the sheriff. And then uh, the sheriff comes to go check. He doesn't find a body, but what he does find is a lead pipe to the back of the skull as Bill Paxton is forced to kill an innocent man, not on the demon list that has been provided by God. And uh, they They have to go bury him and the demon in the Rose Garden, where we get to hear this. After work, you You didn't think anyone knew about that, did you? Oh, wait. 
here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first they they kill that one guy, and uh, you get to see nobody knew about this. And I love this line first, and then uh, we'll go to the Rose Garden. You didn't think anyone knew about that, did you? But God saw you. Dad, don't, please! What? And you can't escape God's wrath! There you go. There you go. I like that. But after he kills that guy and they're trying to uh, uh, put him into the Rose Garden, you get to hear Bill Paxton talk to his son Fenton here. Killed a man before tonight. I've seen you kill plenty. Those were demons. That was a man. Why can't you see that? You didn't have to kill I had to protect our mission. There is no mission. That man is dead because of you. You see him, look at him. He's dead because you have no faith. Do you understand what you made me do? You made me commit murder. I didn't make you do anything. You did. You're crazy. I like I, my favorite thing is when uh, in any movie is when you call somebody crazy. You go, I'm not fucking crazy, and then they try to immediately kill somebody. That is my my favorite movie trope in the whole world. It's the yeah. Best. I kind of hate it. I feel like I should get paid every time someone does that. I'm like, no, no, no. That's my thing. Don't <laughs> trademarked Ashley Pontius. Yeah. Uh, that's so, my breakdown. Don't steal my bits. So uh, they tie this up really good in a Davy and Goliath episode. And the best part of the Davy and Goliath episodes, it's not like we're puppets on strings. No, we're claymation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Finn, as a uh, as a um, uh, a punishment for calling the cops and making Dad murder a real guy, uh, has to get locked in the new kill room for the entire week in the darkness, essentially solitary confinement. And uh, right right before he gets thrown in, you hear Bill Paxton say this to him: "Only demons should fear me. And you're not a demon, are you?" The angel said you were. I can't believe that. <laughs> I won't. You're my son. And I love you more than my own life. So, uh, definitely if I had, uh, uh, sends a chill up your spine, he's like, only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you, son? As he's putting the axe back on the wall. Uh, he then goes on to say, he's like, the funny thing about it, I actually fear you, Fenton, more than anything. And then, uh, and rightfully so, he's going to find out soon enough. Uh, so, uh, as he finally, this, this whole movie just kind of reminds me of, um, Who's that guy from the Beatles? Is it John Lennon? Yeah, I believe so. Lennon, yeah. The guy who invented communism. Yeah, yeah. yeah it kind of yeah. reminds me of his like most famous song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I pulled it up for you right here, Jeremy. This was this one you're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Imagine there's no demons. Imagine there's no angel either. Imagine when you put your hands on them, you don't see their evil. And that the angel didn't tell you to destroy them too. Imagine finding a magic axe. In a barn, and its name is Otis. 
right there beautiful man uh, there's so many you you know the thing about it there's so many extras on this dvd i can barely we're barely scratching the surface but that was probably my favorite one i I think the only thing that could have made the song a little better was maybe a little uh solo by yoko (laughs) (laughs) so uh uh, after his week of solitary confinement in a hole in the ground, he comes back broken and changed. Uh, says he finally does see uh, see uh, he's had his vision and he can see things clearly now. And uh, it's finally Finn's turn to kill a demon. And his first one is going to be this guy who seems like a real piece of shit. Like they establish off the bat when they're trying to get him, they're like, "Shut the fuck up, woman!" <laughs> like this, like he's like the most stereotypical like wife beating piece of garbage you've ever seen like you i half i half expect like uh russell crowe from la confidential to bust down this guy's door and beat the shit out of him in front of his family on christmas eve like that's how bad he is um his shirt is really bedazzled though he does have he also has the queerest shirt i've ever seen a man wear that is a texas man who's supposed to be a badass wife beater or something uh so he takes him back to the shed and uh luckily fenton actually saves his dad's skin here or maybe he does it uh <laughs> i love the fact that you froze up during this <laughs> i don't know it's uh yeah, I guess that's happening. But uh, he he uh, they they're able to take him and uh, and corral him into the thing. So they bring him back uh, ultimately to the kill room, and it's fucking Fenton's big time. He's got the axe in hand. He's looking down at this fella, ready to get his first kill. And he takes the axe to go fucking swing it, and he swings it directly into his dad's belly. And uh, of course, uh, Papa Meeks falls to the ground, lying there in agony. Uh, his sweet son. Uh, blonde-haired son Adam comes over as he whispers his final words into his thing. You can't hear what he says. And so, uh, meanwhile, Fenton goes and starts untying this uh, guy who's on the ground and think he's going to get away. And then all of a sudden he starts screaming as fucking Adam lays out with the fucking axe and the little kid fucking just chops this dude in the neck right in front of his brother like that, uh, where they then have to go and bury their sweet, uh, not only father, but also this other demon. Uh, Now, while this is all happening, they're taking a ride with the FBI guy and... uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey to the Rose Garden so he can bring him and show him where his brother is the God's Hand Killer. And as they're making their way out to their to the Rose Garden, they not only see one grave and two graves and three graves, but there's like 30 fucking graves out there. And he goes, you get this reveal here where uh, Fenton, who's been telling the story the whole time, reveals something that he's not a F- Fenton at all. He's actually Adam. <laughs> You're just crazy as hell. Fenton or Adam or whatever your damn name is. 
I don't really give a fuck. All I need to know right now is you are a murdering son of a bitch. And I got you. Maybe. But that's not gonna bring your mother back, is it? She's dead. And her killer got away, didn't he? God damn you, you little son of a... And we kind of reveal this new power here. So as he goes to fucking gun butt him, fucking he pulls up his hands and grabs his gun like this in his hands. And he has the vision where he can finally see all of the evil things that he's done, right? That he did indeed kill his mother and that this FBI agent uh, uh, is fucking a real piece of shit. But we never knew that it had the unintended consequences of it. It also weakens the person that you're doing because he immediately becomes like as strong as like a man trying to like punch through a paper. Like he's he has the strength of a man who couldn't punch through a wet paper bag with scissors at this moment all of a sudden like oh like maybe the god's hand thing is actually the god's hand job and you just bust essentially and it's like oh i have nothing now i, I, I prefer to call it retard strength yes it could be that could be that hard r okay and then uh there's uh he he brings them back around uh uh, and throws him into uh, one of these shallow graves that he's dug in the Rose Garden, and there's just tons of them, and it's clear that Adam's been doing all of this killing the entire time. Not that his brother uh, Fenton wasn't a murderer. His brother Fenton was a killer that they were looking for, but he was killing the wrong people. He was actually a serial killer himself that was uh, had turned to the dark side. The important thing is that, you know, if you're going to be a serial killer, you got to only peep murder people on God's list. That's number one. Rule number one. And, uh, but that's my favorite reason for being a Satanist because you are your own God. So your list is always right. Ah, so, so now we have, uh, we have, uh, uh, the FBI agent pleading his final moments here. Look at me. No, they won't. They'll keep looking for Fenton. You're going to be his last victim. They've seen you. They'll know it was you. And as God will protect me, he stands over top of them with the axe and wag him! Fucking takes out the FBI guy, and uh, everything seems to be fine and dandy. Uh, FBI is like, holy shit, we got to find our guy. I love this part of the movie though, that where they pop in the tape and like all the tape is just perfectly fucked up, so you can't see the guy's face. The one FBI guy who was the other guy in the office, like, honest to God, I can't even remember what he looks like for the for the life of me. I can't even draw a picture of this fella. It's just it's been erased from my memory. And finally, the other FBI agent goes down to uh, find uh, Adam Meeks, uh, who is indeed uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey, but he's all cleaned up looks great not sweaty as he was for the entire film for somehow that that while he's being interviewed he's just like they'll never recognize me 
because I'll be so oily the whole time that it'll 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 fool the eyes of the uh, of the unseen. And even even our sweet Agent Griffin doesn't recognize this man who stands before him, who is the sheriff of the small town now. Uh, he says, "You know what? If I find anything out, I'll let you know." And he shakes the guy's hand. And he goes, "Says this right here." Contacts you, of course. All right. You're a good man, Agent O. I can tell because I, when I shook your hand, I saw that you never murdered anybody or molested children, so I, I knew you were a good dude. Also, you want to play naked bongos with me for a little bit? I'd be down with that if you were into it. Anything that you I want. Mean, I do something similar. Every time I shake a guy's hand, I can tell whether he's a good guy or a bad guy because I can tell whether or not he's just washed his hands. <laughs> that is true. And uh, uh, you guys might be chasing after killer. It turns out it's always been Affleck. It is always <laughs> been Affleck. God damn it. How Jennifer Gardner put up with his bullshit so long. I'll never know. And then uh, that brings us to an end of frailty. It was all true. The God's hand thing was, was real. And Fenton, I, it's fun watching this movie. It's definitely one you should always watch through twice. And if you haven't watched it, you can check it out on HBO Max currently, or you can watch it for free on YouTube if you don't have a subscription to that. All uh, a great movie overall. Uh, but definitely, you get like two totally different experiences. You watch it the first time, you get the big reveal, and the second time, with all the knowledge of it, you're like, oh yeah, he's telling the story. A lot of this shit could all apply to Adam. Then he's uh, so he's like he's kind of being deceptive and lying and pretending to be somebody else. But all the things that change really do seem like they're changing in Adam as well throughout the story. Great fucking movie. Uh, Low-budget film uh, made to... And not even a particular great amount of gore. Although Bill Paxton does show up bloody a lot like after a kill has happened. Uh, So much so that uh, when they were filming the movie... It was filming at the same time as Legally Blonde, and then Bill Paxton would just be like completely covered in blood and see the very uh, America's, uh, at the least time, sweetheart, Miss Babyface Reese Witherspoon, like, hey, tough day on the job. How's everything going today? <laughs> Which is just, I like the story of it overlapping with Legally Blonde a little bit. So, uh, Ashley, your final thoughts on frailty. Um, I definitely like the movie. I will say when I heard I was watching Frailty, I thought it was just going to be a YouTube montage of male comedians on stage. Oh, that we do we are frail people. I will say that. Jeremy, your final thoughts on Frailty. Uh, I didn't realize until the uh the trivia that the the two kids are seen at the end on scooters going by the police station as uh McConaughey walks away. <clears throat> Uh, hence, it's kind of like a Twilight Zone thing. Uh, but also, um, eh, you know, I mean, it, it's a great thing. I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't say it's as great a directorial as uh, the Fish Heads video, but it's close. It is close. It is close. Shout out Barnes and Barnes. Uh, uh, I love Frailty. It is definitely one of those 2000s movies that uh, is a must-watch, I think, to anybody's uh, lexicon. If you're a film fan, check out Frailty. Great acting, great directing. And what else could you want in a fucking movie with Bill Paxton, Matthew McConaughey? I mean, I I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, Ashley, we're... That's sure right. Yeah, you can see sure right. Make sure you get the goddamn DVDs. You're not left out in the gross. Otherwise, we're going to have to make her in charge. 
Speaking of her in charge, Ashley, where can people find you at? Uh, you can always find me online at Ashley Pontius Laughs. And if I have my dates correct on when this comes out, you can catch me uh, at Broken Spoke Winery in Maryland, April 1st. And then the next day, April 2nd in Rising Sun, Maryland, again, doing another winery show. That's great. Uh, you can catch all things Eric Comedy at ericcomedy.com. I'll have some new dates coming up there shortly. Uh, so check that shit out. Click on my things and make me more visible to the web at large. Uh, and also, secret, the album is coming out. I've been working on it diligently. Jeremy, take us out of here. I just put an axe in my chest. Game over, man. Imagine there's no demons. Imagine there's no angel either. Imagine when you put your hands on them, you don't see they're evil. And that the angel didn't tell you to destroy them too. Imagine finding a magic axe in a barn and its name is Otis. see an angel looking at a transmission of Mercury Cougar. Imagine this is like a bad Vietnam flashback. Imagine you didn't put your kid in a hole in the ground for a week. This guy isn't the biggest pedophile in the world! Game over, man! <laughs>